Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. dancing i'm dancing you know who else is dancing who that nation because the honey badger decided to come home mickey loomis and company pull off whew, one of the better moves in free agency as a former lsu all-american and heisman finalist comes home to play for the new orleans saints good morning welcome to RP3 and Company. I am your host, Raymond Parch the Third, better known as RP3. Of course, I'm joined here in the game studios by the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. We got a great show lined up for you today. Gonna be talking all things McNeese with Jim Gazzolo, softball team and baseball team. Both of them are rolling fighting, competing for the Southland Conference regular season championship. Softball team wraps up its regular season this week. Baseball in a few weeks. We'll get the latest updates on all things Cowboys from our buddy, the great Gazzolo himself, Jim Gazzolo. Then we're going to talk the latest updates in the world of recruiting, both on the hardwood and on the gridiron with our guy, Jarrett Rozier. And then, of course, Pelicans. Yes, they did not advance but it sure does seem like there's a ton of optimism for the Pelicans after their great showing in the playoffs. We'll talk about the playoffs as well with Ali Cassell, our friend from the Bird Rights. So we got three guests lined up for you today. We're going to talk a lot of Raging Cajuns baseball. We're going to talk McNeese baseball. We're going to talk Houston Astros baseball as well, NBA playoffs. It's all on tap. And of course, we'd love to hear from you. Game hotline is always open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. But we have to start off with the news that occurred yesterday. It was rumored to be happening, and then it was finalized, confirmed by multiple media reports yesterday afternoon. And that's the Tyron Matthew news. Reports came out that he had just come back home and there was nothing scheduled. The Chiefs, where Matthew won a Super Bowl championship and played for another, opted not to bring back the 29-year-old four-time All-Pro. 
They wanted to go in another direction. They wanted to get a little bit younger. They didn't want to spend as much money. So Kansas City parted ways with Matthew, and 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 he wasn't too thrilled about it. But he decided to come back home. And, you know, he is very connected to LSU, part of the Athletic Center, the Players' Lounge at the state-of-the-art Athletic Center for the football program. He, it was donated by him. He helped build that. So he's connected to his team, his former university still, has a great working relationship with them. And he visits, and he's from New Orleans. But apparently, we're getting reports now that when the Saints heard that the Honey Badger was back home, they reached out to him and said, hey, why don't you come hang out with us? It was very casual. Didn't do the whole thing where they, you know, laid out the red carpet for him and said, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what our vision is. It was more of a casual thing of, hey, come hang out. Let's just, you know, grab some dinner. Apparently, that went extremely well because that turned from a very casual, hey, let's just get together, to both sides realizing that this could be a a big fit. Malcolm Jenkins had retired. They needed a veteran safety. Marcus Williams, they knew they were losing. And that leads us to the down this road where they have legitimate talks. And the move does not get done before the draft because of comp picks. If they would have signed the Honey Badger before the draft, they would have lost their comp picks. It's all muddled. But that's how it would work. By not signing Matthew until now, they don't have to worry about that. And Matthew wanted to be here, so he was willing to wait. This is a huge deal. And take away the fact that Saints fans get to cheer on an actual, legit, stud LSU player, which doesn't happen all that often for Saints fans. You get the hometown kid. This is the kid from New Orleans who went on to play at LSU, who was a consensus All-American, who's also won a Super Bowl championship. He's only 29. He'll be 30 by the time the season starts. So you're still going to get a couple of really good years out of him. It's a big homecoming. His jersey sales will go through the absolute roof. That will be the hottest selling jersey in the state by far. So take away culturally how big of a deal this is that the Honey Badger's coming home and playing for the Saints and how much this is going to now make him probably fans' favorite player on the team. Just push all that aside. Football-wise, this team just got exponentially better. The combination of Marcus May and Tyron Matthew are better 
pair of safeties than Marcus Williams and Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm Jenkins was already probably a year past retiring. He was not the same player he had been even five years earlier. And as much as you love what Marcus Williams brought to the team, he's not the honey badger. He's just not. And Marcus May is a young thumper of a safety. Now, they don't have the single high safety. Neither Matthew or May are that. You can probably make P.J. Williams into that role. But you look at what they've done now with their secondary. Marshawn Lattimore, Pro Bowl All-Pro cornerback. Paulson Adebo, the young rookie that really turned a lot of heads. He's your number two. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is still your nickel. Marcus May, Tyron Matthew are your starting safeties. P.J. Williams can be one of the backups. The young man that you took out of Tennessee, Alante Taylor, is now one of the backups. The depth in the secondary and the caliber of player they have now, you could argue the Saints may have one of the best, if not the best secondary in the NFL. So if I am one of the teams in the division in particular, Atlanta with Marcus Mariota now quarterback, Carolina with whoever the hell they're going to throw out there, Sam Darnold or Matt Corral, and Tampa, if I'm Tom Brady, I'm not thrilled because you got a guy that has no problems getting in your face with Tyron Matthew. Oh, you add him to Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Like, Think about that secondary that they have. I'm not even talking about the front seven that the Saints have. They were going to be led by their defense. But this move also shows you everything that you need to know. For all the people out there that have been complaining about Jameis Winston being the quarterback and that the offense is this and that. Look, you have a defensive-minded coach. This team is going to be led by its defense. I've been telling you that for months. Look how they approach the draft. Look what they've done in free agency. They're paying Tyron Matthew three-year, $33 million deal. That's kind of a hometown discount, to be perfectly frank with you. 18 mil of that is guaranteed. This team is led by its defense. This team is led by its defense. They also added Sorensen, a world champion from Kansas City as well, a teammate of Tyron Matthews. Now, Sorensen's more of a special teamer, but that gives you even more depth. So you got Lattimore, you got Paulson Adebo. You got Alante Taylor, the rookie out of Tennessee that can play multiple positions. You still got P.J. Williams that you brought back on a one-year deal. You got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Marcus Bay, Tyron Matthew. Hello. And then you got a nasty front seven already with Anyamata and Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, Demario Davis, Pete Werner. The young man that you took out of Houston that got injured this past year. Yeah. This team is going to be led by a physical defense. If you're thinking that this Saints team that's going to be taking the field in 2022 is going to be those 5,000-yard passing season teams that spent their 
training camps at the Greenbrier and would struggle to be seven and nine and eight and eight with Jimmy Graham lined up at tight end and all that other stuff. No, this is not that team. This team has been trending to being a more physical, defensive-minded team as it was. Now you have Dennis Allen as head coach. Look at this. This team is going to be led by its defense. It's going to be a physical, nasty, getting after the cornerback, getting after the quarterback, rather, team. And you add Matthew now to that secondary, and all those guys are going to feed off of him and his energy, and he's going to feed off of them. Look, I love Malcolm Jenkins. And I know you, Saints fan, love Malcolm Jenkins. But he was not the same player the last two years he was in New Orleans that he was before. You caught him on the back end of his career. You still get a couple years here of Tyron playing at a high level. And you add it to the mix of all those young, young guns they have on that side of the football. Yes, the offense, got to figure that out. But you did use your first two draft picks to get a tackle and to get a wide receiver. And you used undrafted rookie free agents to shore up your wide receiving core, getting the Dixon kid from Nichols and then getting the Baylor running back, who you paid a ton of money to, by the way. Nearly a quarter of a million for an undrafted rookie free agent. That tells me that the young man out of Baylor, that was one of 17 players signed on Sunday, is going to be their number three running back. Because you don't commit a quarter of a million dollars to an undrafted rookie free agent if you don't think that he's going to make your roster. If the offense, look, this defense is going to be so good. If the offense can average, I don't know, 17, 18 points a game, you're a 10-win team. You're a playoff team. That's all the offense has to do. And expectations are the offense is going to be better than that. You don't need the offense to put up 40 points a game. The way Mickey Loomis, Jeff Ireland have constructed this team over the course of the last three to four years, it has become a more defensive-minded team. The focus has been on the defense. And this team is going to be led by its defense. If the offense can get you 18 points, maybe 20 points a game, you're going to win 10 to 11 games a year. And in a weekend NFC, not only could that, that will be enough to get you into the playoffs, that may be enough to win you a division championship and possibly be one of the top three seeds. Great day if you're a Saints fan. Should be still dancing. Because the Honey Badger came home. We got to take a timeout. Love to hear from you. Once again, game hotlines open 337 That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. P3 is known for being a well-tempered and thoughtful sports journalist. The incompetence, the absolute abundance of arrogance from Rob Manford makes me want to punch him in his throat. Okay, well, we all have our bad days. I'm not kidding. If he was right here in the studio, I would walk up to him and throw him a punch. Well, let's all hope he took his meds today. Back to hopefully a calm and collected RP3 on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Honey Badger comes home to New Orleans to play for the Saints. Four-time All-Pro, three-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion, former consensus All-American at LSU. Woo. Gives the Saints a bit of pop on that back end. And look, the secondary is going to be a little bit different. Once again, you don't have the one high safety. Not to get too geeky on football terminology here, but Marcus was a one high safety. You don't really have that guy right now. Marcus May is more of a in-the-box thumper. Now, Tyron can go everywhere, but you don't have the more traditional one-high safety like Marcus was. Now, P.J. Williams can be that guy. So that's why I say when I look at this secondary, Lattimore, Paulson Adebo are your starting corners. You still leave Chauncey in that nickel role, which he thrives at. Right, You can keep him there. And then you got Marcus and Tyron as your safeties. And then you can rotate PJ in to be your one high in certain packages. So I think they can get, once again, this is Dennis Allen's team now. This is his defense. So you add the players that you do, I'd expect this defense to be tweaked a little bit for this upcoming season. Poll question of the day. How much does the Honey Badger help the Saints? Some, but not enough. Playoff bound or Super Bowl contenders? Go vote on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter at the game. But right now, it's time for us to head out to the hotline. Welcome on James to the show. James, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Saints, Saints, Saints. You know I'm a Saints guy. You know I'm an NFL guy. There's so much to unpack here, Mr. RP3. I don't even know where to start. We'll get well. Start start with the honey badger, bud. Start there. Okay, it's a big piece. It gets all the flash, but they were building a good team and they were getting ready for a good season without him. He's just the cherry on top, and like yep. you said, you have the versatility now. To, to you don't have that long, lanky safety like you said. Uh, PJ Williams can still mix it up and give him some good looks, but you're probably right. They're going to go to two. You know, they're going to be playing almost like hybrid linebackers in there, and I'm really excited for the defense. But just skipping past that, don't underplay this offense. You're right. It's not going to be the sling and the ball around. But if at the end of the day we end up with Jameis Winston with 3,700 yards, 30 touchdowns, and seven or eight interceptions, I think it's going to be wildly successful. If you look at our wide receivers, last year was a debacle. But we ended up with probably Callaway was our number one, uh, Harris was our number two, and Smith was our number three. Well, now we're asking those guys to not be one, two, and three. We're asking them to be three, four, and five. Yep. And we're maybe even asking them to be four, five, and six because I think one of the most underrated moves that the national media or nobody's picking up on is Taysom Hill going to uh, tight end. I think he's going to be huge there. I don't think he's going to Pro Bowl or anything, but I think he's going to surprise people. Uh, you know, I want to see him get Matthew that number seven and put on like a shocky 88. And he's going to be a big part of this. And and right now, I, I want you to tell me and to help me because I feel like I'm being this huge homer because I'm so excited about the Saints. But Las Vegas has their over-under win total at 7.5 games. That's way, that's, that's way too much. I mean, that's way too under, rather. Look, the way this team is constructed right now, this is a team that nearly made the postseason a year ago, right? 
they they finished with yep. a winning record, nearly made the postseason a year ago, and they had Trevor Simeon and Ian Book out there playing quarterback at times. And they had no Michael Thomas. This team, in addition to having a healthy Jameis, you add Chris Olave, you add Michael Thomas, who didn't play at all last year. So you're adding two stud wide receivers to the mix. You get a healthy quarterback. You brought in Doug Marone to fix the offensive line, in particular to fix Cesar Ruiz. Don't forget, I look, I make fun of Andres Pete a lot on this show, right? I call him Pond Water, but he didn't play at all barely last year either. And Armstead was banged up. So the offensive line was banged up last year. No Michael Thomas. Jameis Winston got hurt. No Chris Olave, who they just added because he they just drafted him. There's a lot of things that went the Saints the wrong way for the Saints last year, and they still nearly made the playoffs. You add Winston, you're adding Thomas, you're adding Alave, a healthy Andres Pete. You brought in Doug Marone to fix the offensive line. You drafted another offensive lineman. You signed the kid out of Baylor to play running back to be your number three, possibly your number two. You beef up the defense. There's no scenario in a weekend NFC that this team should not, the floor should be at 10 wins. The floor should be 10 wins for this team as, as it's currently constructed right now today at 6.30 on May the 3rd. Agreed. Agreed 100%. All right, well, th- thank you for taking my call. Thank you for the time, and thank you for the insight. Appreciate your phone call, brother. Enjoy your day. Look, this is a team, in spite of everything that happened last year, in spite of everything that happened last year, nearly made the playoffs. The NFC has gotten weaker this offseason. Russell Wilson is playing in Denver. Seattle's not going to be a factor. You can never count on the Cowboys. No offense, Cowboy fan. Your team's a mess. Who scares you out of the NFC East? Dallas? Philly? Really? Green Bay opted to let their top three pass catchers go and say, oh, we're drafting defense. (coughs) They still have Aaron Rodgers. 49ers? Okay. The Rams? Rams lost some pieces from their Super Bowl team. They may have a Super Bowl hangover. NFC seems open. Seems wide open. And you nearly made the playoffs a year ago. Don't sleep on Winston. Like James said, Jameis doesn't need to be 5,000-yard passing guy. If he can go out there and give you 3,800 yards through the air, 30 touchdowns and say 10 interceptions, you're going to win a ton of games. You're going to win a ton of games. Not to mention Winston's never been able to really work with Michael Thomas because the guy considered one of a top five wide receiver in this league hasn't played for the better part of two years. Winston healthy. Thomas healthy and back. You add Chris Olave. Now those guys who were not great in the roles of wide receiver one, two, and three, now they can just be complementary pieces. Taysom Hill at tight end is a game-changer of a move. You're going to use him as the joker role. That's another playmaker. Playmaker, playmaker, playmaker. You see see how this works. I'd rather undersell what the offense is going to do and be pleasantly surprised. Could Winston end this offense with all these pieces that they have, be a 4,000-yard passer and throw for 40 touchdowns? Sure could. Absolutely could. Absolutely. I don't know how the offense is going to run with Dennis Allen as head coach and Pete Carmichael as the OC. But that's just kind of bonus. 
This team is going to be led by its defense. Its identity is going to be on the defense. And the offense is going to be sneaky good and it's going to surprise some folks. I'm telling you, the floor for this team after its draft, after what it did in free agency, and there still could be a move or two here left, the floor for the Saints in 2022 should be 10 wins. I'm saying it right now. If they are healthy, the floor for this team should be 10 wins this coming season. And I don't even know what the schedule looks like in, in the order that it's in yet. I'm just telling you talent-wise, this is what it should be. We're going to take a timeout. Game hotline still open, though. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. is the epitome of a high roller constantly making large bets but by doing that the minimum bet is a dollar for a win a dollar for a place a dollar for a show so it's essentially a three dollar bet that netted me a cool six dollars and seventy cents what okay so he's not a risk taker he's your best bet for sports talk 19 hit me 20 hit me 21 hit me 22 don't now, back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more. And boom, you have a shot at even a bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a same-game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Simply download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code 1037GAME, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Availability does vary by parish. Eligibility restrictions do apply Minimum $5 deposit. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Oh, we've been talking a lot about the Honey Badger. Returning home to New Orleans, signing a three-year deal with the Saints. 18 mil of it guaranteed. And that leads us to our poll question of the day. What type of impact is the Honey Badger going to have on the Saints? How much will he help the Saints? Will he help some but not enough? Will they be playoff bound because of this move or even possibly Super Bowl contenders? Right now, 80% of you say playoff bound, 13% say Super Bowl contenders, 7% say some but not enough. 
Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on EJ to the show. EJ, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Hey, good morning. Thanks, Murphy. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if this is even a fair question or not, but, uh, you know, I, I know the Honey Badger, even his days years ago at LSU, uh, he had gotten some kind of trouble and so forth, and it was questionable there. And then I believe he, from there he was drafted to go to the Cardinals, and everybody said, well, it'd be under Peterson's wing and so forth. And, and it looks like he has grown up. I just heard a comment yesterday from one of my buddies, oh, but he's coming back home. Hope he doesn't, you know, get involved with the people you saw. Like, again, I don't know if that's even a fair question, but I guess I always got to worry well, about people, but, but, EJ, let me enter. I mean, Look, I, I'm 43 years old. The stuff I did when I was 21, I don't do anymore, right? So, yeah. I mean, that, 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 that's part of it, right? And it cost Tyron a season at LSU. It cost him that embarrassment to his family. It cost him a lot of money because he dropped down from being a first-round draft pick to a third. And he, he lost a lot of money early in his career because of the mistakes of not stopping smoking weed when he was at LSU and that's why he got kicked off the team and was suspended for a year so I look there's been no reports of him being any type of trouble or anything like that and yeah I get it coming back home you're closer to those people but from all reports the people that he was hanging out with 10 years ago he doesn't hang out with anymore so I I don't think that would even be a concern all right man appreciate your comments on that thank you not a problem brother appreciate the phone call yeah, look, I mean, that's that's the reality of the situation for the Honey Badger. Remember Heisman finalist? That was a huge deal. Got the nickname, took college football by storm, and then kept messing around with the weed. And even less miles, Mr. Relaxed himself. They had to suspend him off the team for a year. And he decides to go to the NFL. And the Cardinals take a chance on him. And he drops all the way to the third round. That's a first-round top 10 type of player talent that, because of off-the-field issues, dropped all the way to the third. And Peterson, his former teammate at LSU, took him under his wing, like EJ said. He grew up. He matured. He earned a good contract. Became an impact player, and now is considered a team captain at places that he's been. Considered a team leader. So people can turn things around. You do always, but that's more college that I always worry about that. I always worry about, and I know college coaches worry about that as well, when you're recruiting someone and you know their circle of people around them are not, how would we describe this, optimal. And then maybe during holidays they go back home and are hanging out with their old friends and their old family members, things of that nature. That's more of a concern then during college for college coaches and maybe even early on in an NFL player's career. But look, Matthew's going to be 30 years old now. And Tyron's a grown man. He's doing community work, and he's not the same kid that he was at LSU. So I don't think that would be a concern. At least it shouldn't be a concern. Let's just put it that way. Should not be a concern. Let's get to some comments on our poll question of the day. How much does the honey badger help the Saints? 
Right now, 71% of you say playoff bound. 21% of you say Super Bowl contenders. 8% say some, but maybe not enough. JPK, the OD, has chimed in. The Honey Badger doesn't need to come in and save this team. It's not like he signed with the Jets. Oh, wow. 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 With the Saints, he can just be a complimentary piece in the winning formula. This feels like this team could shock the world with a gif of a honey badger. Todd says this is a huge pickup and will help get the Saints to the playoffs. But until we know the running back situation, Kamara's suspension, I can't say Super Bowl bound, especially if the suspension is at the tail end of the season and forcing the offense into being one-dimensional. Running back situation's been taken care of. I'm telling y'all this. I'm telling y'all this. Running back situation has been taken care of. And it's been taken care of through an undrafted rookie free agent, which they always, always, always find. This is what this team does. Constantly finds these guys. Former Baylor standout, Abram Smith, went undrafted. Saints signed him. And at first you're like, hey, he's just one of 17 guys. He'll be a camp guy. He got a massive deal with the Saints. Abram Smith... 222000 of his salary is guaranteed. They gave nearly a quarter of a million dollars of guaranteed money to an undrafted rookie running back. 207 of it is base salary portion and a guaranteed $15,000 signing bonus per source. It's one of the top undrafted deals. That's your number three running back. The Saints love finding these types of players. They love getting guys that go undrafted or find them late in the draft. Wouldn't be the first time they've got a guy that's an undrafted rookie free agent and turned him to a star running back, is it? Abram Smith is your guy. I'll say it again. Abram Smith is your guy. That is going to be your number three running back, possibly even your number two, depending on how Ingram produces. I'm still concerned about Kamara. That suspension could come late in the season, and that could be troublesome. So Tan has a good point there. But if they continue kicking that can down the road legally, there's nothing that the NFL is going to do until it's resolved. Hart on Twitter says, I won't jump the gun and say Super Bowl, but definitely playoff contenders. Football aside, what is this? What does this for the culture? What does this do for the culture in the state of Louisiana is worth his contract alone? I'll gladly accept all the heartbreak we faced over the year if this is the outcome we get in the long run. On another note, now we got to worry about all the taunting penalties between Chauncey, Tyron, and Lattimore. Trash talk will ensue. Those guys are going to just get after wide receivers and quarterbacks. They are going to absolutely be a thorn in their sides with the trash talk. They're going to get under some guys' skin. I guarantee you that. Chauncey already is the king of that as it is. And Lattimore does a pretty good job of getting under Mike Evans' skin. Now you're going to add the honey badger? Yeah, there's going to be some taunting penalties in the fall. (laughs) There's going to be some 15-yard penalties in the fall for sure. Let's head back out to the hotline. Welcome on, Chris, to the show. Chris, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Hey, good morning. No, I just wanted to uh, chime in on the on the honey badger signing. Man, I'm I'm so happy about this signing, man. Uh, being an LSU and Saints fan, and 
I really believe he's gonna. I really believe he's gonna come in and have the same effect on the team that uh, Darren Sharper had the year we won the Super Bowl. Uh, the veteran state. Oh yeah, just there a, you go. Um, so the question is, do you like the signing or do you love the signing? And and the, and I have another question. Um, who wears number seven right now? I should know this. It's Taysom, Taysom Hill, right? It's Taysom. Okay, so there's probably no way that he uh, he's able to get that number seven. He's probably going to end up wearing 32 again. But, uh, all right, well, yeah, do you like it? Do you love it? All right, have a great day. And who does? <laughs> Chris loves it. Chris loves it. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens with the jersey because Taysom's a fan favorite. There's a lot of number seven jerseys when you see a Saints game in person. Will there be somebody out there that makes their own number seven jersey with Tyron's name on it? Yes. <laughs> that will happen. <laughs> that, that That's going to happen. But yeah, it's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Once again, the concerns about at running back, but I'm telling you, the Abram kid at a Baylor is going to be part of this offense. Going to be part of this offense. If I had to guess, Kamara, Mark Ingram, Abram, then Tony Jones Jr., if Tony Jones Jr. even remains on the roster. Now, you already got Ingram locked up for this, this coming season, so that's a done deal at a team-friendly price. So that'll be there. But running back, look, Tom brings up a good point on the poll question. Not ready to say Super Bowl contenders yet because you don't know about Kamara's legal situation with the uh, battery charge stemming from an incident in Las Vegas during the Pro Bowl. But the hearings, if that gets pushed back again, look, the NFL won't make uh, a decision on punishment until the legal proceedings are done. So that could happen during the season or may happen after the season. So you never do know. You may not be without Alvin Kamara after all. We got to take a timeout. Good phone calls. Keep them coming. Game hotline's open. 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. RP3 grew up dreaming of one day playing right field for the Atlanta Braves, just like his hero, Dale Murphy. I wanted to grow up and be Dale Murphy. Little Raymond, though, wasn't quite the caliber of athlete of his childhood hero as his lone highlights as a ball player were being beamed. Twice in the head. That actually explains a lot. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to upgrade your experience for Downtown Rising with the ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience. You can score a, 
a pair of VIP passes, plus a chance to meet the Cold War kids. That's right. You can meet the headliners themselves. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to win VIP passes for Downtown Rising, featuring Cold War kids on Saturday, June the 4th. The ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience is presented by Social Entertainment, Raider Solutions, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let's check in on the poll question of the day. We asked you, because we love asking you questions. We love to hear from you. How much does the Honey Badger help the Saints? 64% of you, I'm sorry, 63% of you now say this makes the Saints playoff mound. 20% say Super Bowl contenders. 17% of you say it helps them some, but not enough. Some, but not enough. Remember, just a refresher course. This team nearly made the playoffs a year ago. With Trevor Simeon and Ian Book and Taysom Hill lining up at quarterback. Without Andres Pete Pondwater, with Cesar Ruiz struggling every day, with no Michael Thomas, and not a wide receiver on the roster that could catch the ball. The offense was an absolute dumpster fire last year. And yet they still nearly made the playoffs. You replace Marcus Williams with Tyron Matthew. You replace Malcolm Jenkins with Marcus May. You add a stud offensive lineman in the draft. You add a route-running wide receiver that understands wheel, uh, understands route trees as a rookie. You bring back Michael Thomas. You add some special team players. You sign a stud running back that went undrafted out of Baylor. You give him nearly a quarter of a million dollars guaranteed money. The floor for this team should be 10 wins in 2022. Plain and simple. This is going to be a playoff team. If they can be healthy, that's the big thing. Health matters. If they can be healthy, they're a playoff team. Lots of great discussion. Lots of great phone calls, interaction with you out there listening this morning. Appreciate that. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3.
Welcome back to RP3 and Company on this lovely Tuesday morning, 7.03. Many of you are getting up, heading to work, heading to school. We appreciate you making us part of your morning commute. Just be safe out there. It was a little foggy earlier, but I'm sure some of that has already went away with the sun rising over the Louisiana sky. Filled with song today. Not going to apologize for it. When you feel it, you feel it. There's plenty to be happy about in life in general. If you're a Saints fan, plenty to be happy about because Tyron Matthews is a Saint. Three-year, $33 million deal, 18 mil of it guaranteed. 29-year-old, four-time All-Pro and Super Bowl champ is coming home. Going to make a huge difference for this team. Look, this was a team that was nearly a playoff team a year ago. In the offseason, they're going to have adding essentially a healthy Jameis Winston. Michael Thomas will be back. They're adding Tyron Matthew, Marcus May, stud left tackle that they drafted, Chris Olave, who they drafted. This is going to be a good team. I said it in hour number one. I'll say it again. If this team is healthy, that's the key. If the team is healthy, guess what? The floor for this team should be 10 wins. That should be the floor, not the ceiling, the floor. They were nearly a 10-win team a year ago. With all the injuries, without having Michael Thomas, with having to play Ian Book and Trevor Simeon at quarterback, now you're going to have Michael Thomas back. You're going to have Taysom Hill in that joker role or lined up at tight end. You added Chris Olave. You added offensive line depth. And your team is going to be led by its defense. Guess what? Your coach is a defensive-minded coach because he used to be your defensive coordinator. Team's going to be nasty. This is going to be a nasty team. And the floor for the Saints in 2022 should be 10 wins. How much does the Honey Badger help the Saints? That's our poll question of the day. 63% of you say it helps make them playoff bound. 20% say Super Bowl contender. 17% say some, but not enough. Let's head out to the hotline and welcome on our guy, Mr. Green, a.k.a. Jamie, to the show. Good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Hey, good morning, Mr. Third. You, you pretty much stole my thunder. I was going to bring up some of those points, but uh, I was at school yesterday when that news dropped, and I may have resorted to my French degree and my experience in German classes to say some words I didn't want the uh, kids or staff to understand what I was saying. Because it was bad enough that I made my butts look silly without any of those guys, and now you got all those guys plus Tyron Matthew. I, w- I, was, I was happy for the Saints, but... But uh, anyway, no, you know, people got to realize, they have to remember, Jameis Winston was on pace to be over 40 touchdowns, under 10 interceptions last season. That's right. He didn't have his wide receiver one. He was doing that with a bunch of no-names. Well, I mean, we know their names, but mostly no-names who couldn't catch a ball, couldn't even catch a cold. I mean, it it was terrible. And yet they still almost made the playoffs. So I agree with, with what uh, Ton wrote, which is, you know, you got to worry about Camara. But you've got an experienced running back. You've got a new kid coming into the fold. 
who from all accounts is just a stud running back. I don't know why he wasn't drafted. And uh, you throw a wrinkle in with uh, with uh, Taysom Hill and everything, and you don't need to worry about the running game. So I'm going to say they're Super Bowl bound, and I guess better luck next year for my Bucks. Jamie, appreciate the phone call. While we have a moment, bud, would you like to say anything to producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names? Her Seattle Mariners lost the opening game to the Houston Astros yesterday. Welcome to man, baby girl. Welcome to man. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> oh, oh, you thought you thought I was just going to let that pass? Huh? You thought I wasn't going to bring that up to you today? Oh, oh, sorry, Five Names. Sorry. Yes. Yes, I mean, it wasn't all just Honey Badger yesterday, was it? That is the big news of the day. That's what we've been spending the majority of the show discussing. But there was other happenings in the world of sports yesterday. And the highly anticipated Seattle Mariners-Houston Astros series. They're at Minute Maid Ballpark. Mariners right there in the mix. Atop the division, the Astros' sluggish start to the season, dealing with some injuries, trying to find their way. And it didn't end up too well for Five Names' Mariners team as they were shut out by the score of 3 to nothing. And the Seattle pitchers decided that they wanted to give up pitches that looked like batting practice as Jordan Alvarez hit a solo shot and the rookie... Carlos Correa's replacement launched a two-run shot off of the Seattle pitching staff as well. The young guns. But still, it's early. It's only It was only the first game of this series. Series is not over yet, is it? Seattle could come back and win today. You can listen to that game, by the way. Mariners-Astros on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. First pitch scheduled for 7-10. Live from Minute Maid Ballpark over on the sister station. Why on the sister station? Because right here on the game, we're going to have midweek LSU baseball action for you. Nichols Colonels, LSU Tigers, live from Alex Box Stadium. First pitch set for 6.30. So LSU baseball tonight, live from the box, 6.30 right here on the game. Astros, Mariners, live from Minute Maid Ballpark. Going to be on the sister station Live on News Talk 98.5 FM. So, yes. Astros. Mariners. Hey. We got a birthday announcement. You ready for it? Can we give a shout out to our young listener out there? How about Jackson Fontenot? My man turns 12 years old today. Let's give it up. Happy birthday to Jackson Fontenot, who turns 12 today. Hope you have a tremendous day. Hope it's a great birthday. You know what? You should convince your parents to make it a whole birthday week. It's early enough in the week, right? It's on Tuesday. Have the birthday today. Make it the whole week. Get it to the weekend. So, shout out to Jackson Fontenot. Happy birthday to him. 12th birthday for the young man. Hope he has a tremendous day. 12 was a, man, I, I, I was a great 12-year-old. Did a lot of great things when I was 12. May have peaked when I was at 12. 
Nah, I guess I'm okay right now. I guess I'm okay right now. Birthdays are a big deal. Especially when you're a kid. When you're a kid, you're like, whoa. Like, oh, man. I keep, I keep telling my daughter this. She tells me the other day, uh, Daddy, you know, when I get older, when I'm 20 years old, I'm like, time, time out. Or when I'm 22 years old or 23 years old, I go, why do you want to be 22, 23 years old? Enjoy being seven right now. You're only going to be seven once for one year. That's it. You got time to worry about all that other nonsense later. Just enjoy being a kid right now. Enjoy playing baby dolls and dressing up and everything like that. Just enjoy that now. That's what I have to tell her. That's what I have to tell her. I have to remind her. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. How are you going to deal with the smack talk? Well, there likely won't be any smack talk because Kevin is going to use his his trickery, his mind tricks on you. Because I'll be willing to bet you he's going to come in today. Even though his team won three to nothing, shut your Mariners out and teed off on your pitching with a couple of home runs. He's somehow going to take that victory and turn it into a negative for him and his team and somehow make you feel like your team won yesterday. Yep. Somehow that's how that's going to work. Because that's what Kevin does. Even when his team wins, he thinks they lose. Now that's his own thing. But that's what's going to happen today. Be interesting to see what happens with Footsie. And you, as you guys battle it out and have to work together to diehard fans of rival teams. Well, not really rivals, but they're in the same division. <laughs> well, we'll say that instead. They're in the same division, not really rivals. Astros yesterday beat the Mariners 3 to nothing to start that series. That's a big deal. Astros need to get back on track. They're not consistent. The weekend was not good to them as they dropped two of three to the Blue Jays. They're still trying to find themselves. Altuve is going through his rehab assignment. Once they get healthy, they'll be right there. They'll be better. They'll turn a corner. I still believe in them to be able to win that division and make it to an ALCS. Absolutely, I do. Absolutely. I still believe that, firmly believe that. But they're going to have to start turning things around a little bit. They're going to have to start doing something. And being more consistent. I understand it's still early in the season. I'm not panic guy. That's not what I do. It's a long season. Look, my Atlanta Braves were well under 500 for like half the season last year and won the World Series. So, so I'm not panic guy. But the Astros, it would help if they started playing a little bit better, a little bit more consistent. You see the flashes. It's just not consistent. Odorizzi was good. Six-plus innings last night for the Strohs. They got production. Also, Dusty Baker. Last night's victory gave him 1,999 wins for his career. That's one away from the 2,000 victory threshold that has been, for generations, automatic entrance 
for managers into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Even though Dusty's never won a World Series title as a skipper, once you get to the 2000 win plateau in Major League Baseball, that's usually that has been an automatic punch your ticket to Cooperstown milestone for skippers. We'll see if the Astros and Dusty Baker can get another win tonight. Once again, Mariners, Astros, live from Minute Maid Ballpark on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on our guy, Doug. Doug, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Morning, morning, Ray. Listen, Ray. Tyrone Matthews is, is bringing experience. Bringing maturity to the defense. People that are uh, thinking back when he was at LSU, man, that, that's not that's not called for. That that young man has done good things since he's entered the, the NFL, and he's going to do that with with the Saints. And what he's going to do, he's going to be like the quarterback of the defense. He's going to help players with their assignments, lining up properly, absolutely properly. He's going to help with all of that. So he's a big get for the defense, for the team, period. I'm glad. I'm happy for Tyrone, and I'm happy for the Saints. And good things are coming, Ray. They're coming. I hear you, brother. I hear you. Have a tremendous day, my friend. Thank you for the phone call, bud. Yeah, look. Matthew's going to help in a plethora of different ways. And he's also going to be that leader on the back end that Malcolm Jenkins held, but he's a better player than Malcolm Jenkins is right now and and was a better player than Malcolm. But now you have all these pieces on defense for the Saints just in the secondary alone. Matthew May, your starting safeties. Elante Taylor, the young man you took in the second round out of Tennessee, you can move him wherever you need to now. Special teams, sure. He's going to get playing time out there. Line him up at corner. Line him up at safety. P.J. Williams, he has versatility too. Remember, P.J. can play corner and play safety. He can be your one high safety if you need him to be. Lattimore, Adebo is your starting corners. That secondary is going to be filth. Absolute filth. In the front seven, this team is going to get after it. I've said it before. And I'll say it again. With everyone being healthy, I know that's a big what if. That's the that's the big disclaimer here, right? If healthy. Winston, Michael Thomas, Alave on offense, improved offensive line with Doug Marone in there, coaching them up. Don't forget Zach Streif is down helping them with their offensive line as well. Left the broadcast booth to be an assistant coach. Him and Doug Marone is going to be working with that O-line. I'd expect the best year from Cesar Ruiz. I expect the best year from Andres Pete as well. That's how highly regarded Doug Marone is as an O-line coach. You fix that. You got this defense. The floor for the New Orleans Saints in 2022, 10 wins. That's the floor, if healthy. Probably more than that. Far more than that's the ceiling. 719 here on RP3 and Company. We got to take a timeout. We got more coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
There are some hosts that talk like they know everything, but you don't have to worry about our guy, RP3. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's because he never knows what he's talking about. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Back to the show in the know. RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Lafayette Marble and Granite is the South's largest cultured marble factory, and they pride themselves on earning your business. LMG provides more than show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens and your bathrooms. They can also take your outdoor living spaces, your man caves, to another level and help your home become the envy of your neighborhood during game days. You love to have the, the fellas over, right, to watch LSU or the Cajuns or McNeese, the Saints. Yeah, you'll definitely be excited to have them over with the Saints this year. Well, you want to have that space, that outdoor living space or your man cave be the envy of your neighborhood. You want it to be on another level. And my friends over at Lafayette Marble and Granite are going to help you make that happen. Visit their website, lmgelite.com today to learn more about all the sensational services and the great products they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com or simply stop by their showroom. It's located right there on I-49 north across from Hub City Ford, Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Don't forget to keep voting on the poll question of the day. What type of impact? How much better are the Saints going to be now with Tyron Matthew in the fold? Three-year deal worth $33 million, 18 mil of it guaranteed as the former LSU consensus All-American, the Honey Badger, comes home. But while we have a few minutes here, let's talk a little college baseball. Season's beginning to wind down. Conference tournaments will be in a matter of a few weeks. And the McNeese Cowboys have placed themselves in a position, well, to once again have an opportunity to get back to an NCAA regional. They've really turned things around. They're 25-19 and 19 now on the season, 11-7 and seven in conference play. They're tied atop the Southland Conference standings with two other teams. So they still have a chance to get the regular season championship. But more importantly for the Southland, they're a one-team bid, right? They're a one-team they're, they're one bid league. So they're only going to get the team whoever wins the conference tournament. But Justin Hill's team is progressing nicely as the season goes on. They had a rough start to it. Make no bones about it. But they win yet another series over the weekend. And you go back. After losing, after getting swept at UNO, they've bounced back. They swept Incarnate Word. Then they swept Southeastern Louisiana. And this past weekend, they fell short of the sweep. But they took two of three at Texas A&M Corpus Christi. So they've positioned themselves to be able to claim that regular season championship. Now they'll play old conference opponent Stephen F. Austin this week, and they'll gear up for Northwestern State at the Joe this coming weekend. That's a huge series because that's going to help determine seeding for the conference tournament as both of those teams are atop the Southland Conference standings. And Coach Hill talked about how proud he has been 
of how his guys, his players, had been able to handle things, putting together this winning streak while dealing with balancing finals. Okay, we don't have that. They didn't get the sweep last weekend against Texas A&M Corpus Christi, but they did take two of three, and this is what the skipper had to say, his overall thoughts, if you will, about the weekend's performance. I was really proud of the guys this weekend. It was uh, it was obviously a good weekend for us winning a series. Sometimes those the, the ones you don't get are the ones that stay with you sometimes. And so I, I think it's I think it's best, you know, with six six conference games remaining to know you have your destiny and gonna be played on the field that you're on. I think that probably needs to be more the focus than, than the ones maybe that got away and stuff like that. So I was really proud of the guys. Corpus is always a really challenging place to play simply because of the, the field orientation, the wind blows and it a different way than, you know, maybe. And, you know, look, this team has kind of turned things around, right? It it reminds me of what they did last year when they turned things around late and were able to kind of go into a hot streak. And, you know, he was asked yesterday during his weekly presser, Coach Hill, you know, what's been the impact on the hot streak? And probably the most important part has probably been our, our, our mindset. I think we had external uh, goals and things that we wanted to do and things that we wanted to accomplish. And, you know, when, you're, when your focus is on what you want as opposed to doing what it takes to get what you want, you know, it's kind of like the cart before the horse um, sometimes. And, and we've gotten out to good starts offensively. So, you know, anytime that the, that the game, you can get ahead or you know you're in the game, you know, that, that kind of gives you a chance to, to do special things. I mean, I, I don't think any uh, one great example of it from a pitching side of it I thought we did a good job with is we didn't get a whole lot going early on Saturday but everything that Chance Stone gave up was single runs. And when we only give up, you know, three single runs, uh, it, it'll. Stephen F. Austin is tonight's opponent there at the Joe, the old conference uh, member coming to town for a non-conference midweek contest. But then they welcome in Northwestern State. The Demons from Natchitoches come into town this coming weekend. And this is what Coach Hill had to say about what the Demons bring to the table. Uh, as far as Northwestern, oh my gosh, man, it, it's always incredibly competitive playing those guys, whether it's their place, our place. Man, we've we've had extra inning games. We've had 13 inning games. We've had calls reversed to change the game like we did last year. I mean, it, it, it's it's always going to be a fight. You know, that's a credit to Bobby and, and what he does. I mean, I know they're, they probably got the best starting pitching in the league for sure. And they always bring it, man. They always bring it. So it'll be a fight this weekend, just like any, any other, t- just all the rest of them. I mean, we just you know just you know sew up the stitches and the cuts and just you know see if you can get the bruising swelling down all that kind of stuff let's go back in for another fight I mean that's just that's what the the, the year has been raging Cajuns meanwhile they don't have a midweek game this week Uh, Deggs did that as part of his scheduling for his program to avoid having midweek games as distractions during finals week for his team but they're gearing up You know, they have a lot in front of them as well. They still have a lot to prove. They've turned their season around as well. They've had ups and downs early in the season. But they've been able to turn things around. And now they have a legitimate chance. They're a top three team right now in the Sun Belt Conference. Now, they're still behind Texas State. Texas State is your leader in the clubhouse, if you will. But the Cajuns do play the Bobcats 
still on the schedule. Cajuns are coming off a series win over App State on the road. They're improved to 25 and 17 overall in the season, but more importantly, 14 and 7 in conference play, which is huge because now they're third in the standings. And they welcome in UTA, the worst team in the conference for a three game set at the Teague this coming weekend. And Coach Deggs talked to the media yesterday. And look, at this point of the season, the difference between wins and losses really comes down to the offense. Yes, and it always is, in my opinion. You know, you've got to have guys that complement your offense, right? So we score, you score. You've got to be able to throw up a zero or match until we can get some momentum and get going. But if you look at teams that win leagues, win tournaments, win regionals, because they scored. And look, hitters get better as the year goes. I don't care who you're facing. They've seen these guys before. They've already seen this. They've seen good sliders. The weather's conducive to hitting. We play the first half in our schedule in a lot of uh, conditions that are not conducive to hitting. But when April, May rolls around, and you see what we've done in April, we hit 310 and went 13 and 4 and really started to, to grab some momentum offensively. It's it's because, you know, we have at bats under our belt and the weather is starting to warm up and the conditions are getting right. It's also important for the Raging Cajuns right now not to give games away. UTA is a team they should sweep and they and they should crush their faces. There, there's no doubt about that. But this is baseball and weird things happen in series. And Deggs talked about how important is it not to give up freebies. We just got to stay locked in and focused, and you can't get comfortable winning because there's a lot that goes into winning. Losing's easy. Just put on the uniform, show up. Anybody can lose. Winning is very difficult, especially in the stretch of uh, games that we've been on because one thing that you have to take into account is some of the ball clubs we've been playing here lately don't have a whole lot to lose, yet we do. Yeah. There's nothing more dangerous if you're trying to march your way towards a conference championship than a team that's below 500 because that team has nothing to lose. They don't have a chance at winning a title. They, they may not even, you know, they got nothing left to play for except for one thing, to beat you, to upset you, to ruin your chances at greatness. Those are the most dangerous teams on your schedule year in, year out. does not matter who they are. They're always the most dangerous. And at this time of year, and the Cajuns are feeling good about themselves, and they're building some momentum, UTA has nothing to lose. The Cajuns have everything to lose as they try to continue to improve their RPI, continue to solidify themselves as an at-large team for an NCAA regional. we got to take a timeout. We'll talk more baseball. Actually, we'll talk more McNeese baseball and softball to be more specific with our buddy Jim Gazzolo from the Lake Charles American Press. He'll join us live next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. P3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer.
or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to take you out to the ball game with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Houston Astros take on the Texas Rangers on May 21st, and you can be there. That's right. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score yourself four tickets. That's right, four tickets to that May 21st game between the Rangers and the Astros, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. That's right. Four tickets, hotel room, ballpark tour, Rangers, Strohs, May 21st. But you can only win the Astros Weekend Getaway by registering in the game clubhouse today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian Houston Downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. How much better? What type of impact will Tyron Matthew make on the New Orleans Saints this coming season? It's 740 here on RP3 and Company. It's time for us to welcome on our first guest of today's show. He's an award-winning columnist reporter for the Lake Charles American Press. He covers the McNeese Cowboys in all sports. It's our good friend, the great Gazzolo himself, Jim Gazzolo. Jim, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm fine. Can I vote in the poll? By all means, yes. None. None? Three years ago, he'd been, three years ago it would have been great hire. Wow, this man says you're washed up at 29 years old. Wow. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yes. What, what does that Not say about up. us? What does that say about us? Up. If 29 is the, it's the age of being washed up, then we're just a bunch of bums, you and yeah. I. I would be a bum in the NFL, yes. I will give you that, yes. <laughs> How's that? Saltiness already. It's only 741, my friend. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this McNeese baseball team because it was a rough go of it to start off the season. And, you know, they start off conference play, losing to the fighting Lance Berkmans, and yet they have found a way the to win. Lance Berkman. <laughs> yes, thank you. Okay. But they've found a way to kind of – turn things around winning conference series after conference series they're now right there atop the standings with a few other teams as we come down the home stretch what's been the big difference for Justin Hill's team well I think he's realized what his offense is I mean when you have if you take the first five starters in the lineup um, four of them are transfers then you take the fact that you lose two of your starting pitchers so you have to count on a transfer again I don't think he knew what he had uh, until midseason in that. So I think that's a, that's kind of a different thing. His lineup is completely different than it was first week of the season. So that's probably the biggest change. Um, but secondly, is he, he kind of found his rhythm of what his pitching is going to be able to capable of doing. So he can work the game now, whereas before, I think, uh, first seven, eight weeks, or six, seven weeks, he was kind of finding out what he had in the bullpen. I mean, it's a brand new team. There's 18 or 17 new players. So, and baseball is you know that classic sport though of 
that you know it takes time sometimes teams don't find yeah. themselves until later in the season for major league baseball that's not an issue because you have plenty of time to get yourself out of yeah. the hole in college it's different because the season's so condensed who yeah you know with, you lose a month and you're done yeah you're done you know he figured out what to do with his rotation. So what does that what does that rotation and the bullpen look like now? If if someone hasn't seen them play in person, Jim, what can they expect if if they come over say this weekend for the big series against Northwestern State? What can they see? Well, they, they see if they actually have a Friday night guy now in Grant Rogers, and that's it. He's going to go seven innings. He's going to go six, seven innings. So he sets the bullpen up for the whole weekend. He's not going to go out in an inning and a half and kill your bullpen for the weekend. He, he throws strikes. He doesn't overpower people, but he sets the tone for the weekend. Then you go to if he can bridge a gap and get to Foster. He is one of the best, he is the best closer in the Southland, um, in the top ten in the nation. Um, he's probably leaned on him a little bit too much a couple of times uh, and tried to get too many innings out of him. But if he can bridge that gap and he found some guys in Sheridan, Andrew Sheridan, amongst others, Burrell Jones, that can get him to the eighth and ninth, he set up. He found a guy in Chance Stone coming off of Tommy John surgery and Tyler Stone that can bookend game two. They can go four and four um, and, and kind of be the same pitcher so that he takes up two pitchers only to get through. That's been his key. Is the other the other day, um, he used only four pitchers to win the first two games of the series. That sets you up nicely for Sunday. Of course, when your pitcher, then his starter, Ty Abraham, who hurt his knee, goes out after five batters and it throws the whole Sunday off. But that's been the key is getting deep into games early in um, the weekend so that you're not using up all your pitchers early. The lineup, well, we know Brad Burkle, he, he's, you know, he, he's a stud, right? Yeah. He he's kind of sets the tone. Sets the tone for this team. But I want to talk a little bit about Andrew Gonzalez because – He's the Southland Conference hitter of the week. He had a tremendous series against yeah. Texas A&M Corpus Christi. But give us a little background here. He's only played in a little bit more than a dozen games this season. Uh, where did he come from? Well, he, they always knew he could he could catch. He's a great catch-and-throw guy. And they always wanted him to be the starting catcher, but he was hurt. So we didn't see his bat come into play really until about the last uh, four or five weeks. And that's extended the lineup quite a bit, but he's always been an excellent catcher. He just was hurt, and they were searching for the guy to replace him. Kate Hunter came in, gave him great offense, not as much defense. So they moved Kate Hunter then into the DH role when Trey uh, Oberjohn went down. Trey Oberjohn was their best hitter. He went down for the year. Um, uh, Kate Hunter became a huge thing in the uh, in the middle of the lineup. Gonzalez comes in at the sixth or seventh spot usually, and that extends their lineup quite a bit to have offense down low. And that's really what turned turned them around. They've always had speed at the top of their order. But this gave them some offense down at the bottom, and that's why they were able to come back. And you know, They had three walk-offs in four games, including a grand slam. So uh, they've done it with dramatics as well. Let's talk about the conference race because they're right there in the mix so is everybody else though yeah so, so so is everyone else but there does feel like there's some separation right it feels yeah. like Nichols McNeese and Houston Baptist ironically we thought Houston Baptist was one of the worst teams in the conference they end up being one of the better teams 
Uh, I guess I guess the former All Stars making a difference there as as their skipper with the Huskies. But you know, Northwestern State's kind of fallen back to 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 the pack, so to speak. But they're still only a few games back. How key is this weekend series at the Joe between the Demons and the Cowboys? Well, this is this is it for for Northwestern State. This is it. You're really you're really looking to finish first or second this year. Um, championships are nice, but the first or second place team hosts a four team kind of kind of NCAA regional type double elimination. So that's what you're looking for. And there's three teams that are really battling for that. Northwestern State would almost have to go five and one to earn it, probably. Um, I don't see that happening. McNeese probably four and two gets them in. Uh, same, but same with uh, Nichols who's tied with McNeese, and same with Houston Baptist, who's tied with McNeese. And Houston Baptist and McNeese finish out. Um, so that'll be an interesting weekend in Houston. But I really think what you want to see is, we're not going to see anybody separate and become that, but I want to see one of those three teams isn't going to be hosting, so you you want to stay away from them, too, because that would be the number two seed in the second regional. So only the Southland can mess this up. Come on. Ah. And make it hard to figure out. Oh, <laughs> uh, if if McNeese wins this weekend at the Joe, do, does it yeah, matter what happens against Houston Baptist? Uh, only it depends on what happens with Nichols. So um, Nichols finishes at Southeastern. McNeese has the tiebreaker with Nichols. Does not have the tiebreaker with uh, Houston Baptist. Ironically, Houston Baptist right now has the tiebreaker with both. They've they've won series with both teams. Nichols and Houston Baptist were picked to finish last and next to last in the conference. So that shows you where this conference has been. Hashtag Southland strong, my friend. Hashtag Southland strong. Hashtag Southland getting bigger. <laughs> Wait till you see. I tell you, Carnet Word is coming back. I know, bud. I know. All right, let's switch I think over. you'll see that news in a week. Let's switch over to softball. Big milestone for the skipper of the Cowgirls, and they've really kind of kind of yeah. found themselves as well. Uh, tell us a little bit about the what's going on with the softball program. Well, James Landry now, the, the head coach there, won his 200th game over the weekend. Um, or the weekend actually before, I guess. Uh, the key there is that he, he he's very good at how he sets up his schedule. We've talked about this many times. And his schedule is set up to where he's going to be better at the end of the year because of who he plays at the beginning of the year. No question about it. And that has worked out again. They've learned how to win the close games, how to play good teams. I think their win against UL when they came back twice on them, came back in the sixth to tie after two runs down, came back in the tenth to tie and won in the eleventh. I think that was a huge stepping stone for them to say, hey, we can compete with the good teams. Now we have to take care of business with our league. But, you know, when you get to tournaments, weird things happen. So... You know, they would be the odds-on favorite going to Hammond without question, but that doesn't always matter. It matters on how you pitch that weekend. Who's the biggest threat to them in the Southland Conference Southeastern. tournament? It's going to Southeastern, be Southeastern, probably. Uh, they have the pitching that can match up. Uh, they've beat them once, uh, and Carnot Ward's beat them recently too. Um, so that might be an interesting thing. Uh, they have a girl coming back to pitch as well. But really, you gotta have you gotta have the one stud that's gonna go out there and get you the big win, one nothing. And McNeese does have that in Vallejo, so that's kind of the difference maker. Well, you know who the difference maker is for us, bud. 
Gio, my friend. Uh, Gio. I, I would guess Jordy. <laughs> no, it's you. It's you, my friend. Oh, it's you, my friend. Appreciate you. Five names. Uh, well, five names and I are in agreement. It's you. So just accept it. Just uh, uh, just accept it. Move on. Enjoy the rest of your day with the twins. Be, oh yeah, you can hear them. Yes, be the be the proud grandpa that you are, my friend. And we'll talk be to you soon, brother. Grandpa by two thirty. Yes, There's a nap in your future. <laughs> There's a lot of naps in my future today, yes. When they nap, I nap. <laughs> Talk to you later, bud. <laughs> all right, we'll see you. It's Jim Gazzolo from the Lake Charles American Press, breaking down all things McNeese. Both softball and baseball turned a corner. They both got healthy, and they both have a great chance. McNeese, Northwestern State, that's going to be huge this weekend over at the Joe. Appreciate Jim for his time. we got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. In Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. Sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So look, if you are a contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a new fence... Maybe you're getting that backyard pool in ready for the summer, or maybe your wife wants to do some landscaping around the house. Look, it doesn't matter what the reason is. You run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. And what happens then? Maybe you only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year. There's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out there and mark the location of those buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple, it's free of charge, and it's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service, and to promote public safety, Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, reminds you, call 811 and know it's below before you dig. Just checking on the poll question of the day. Ooh, it's a good one. It's about the honey badger. You heard Jim Gazzolo. My man says 29-year-old Tyron Matthew washed up. Coming in with the saltiness this morning. I don't believe that. How much does the honey badger help the Saints? 60% of you say it makes the team playoff bound in 2022. 25% of you say Super Bowl contenders. 15% say some, but not enough. Steve on Twitter says, since everyone is predicting playoffs, 10-win season or better, even Super Bowl, I would love to receive the Mega Million winning numbers. My crystal ball is broken and I lost my rose-colored glasses. Get real Tuesday. My question to you, Salty Steve, I'm going to like your comment because we like you. This team nearly made the playoffs a year ago. With the additions they have, if healthy, once again, I say if healthy, why wouldn't this team be a playoff team in the weekend NFC? Now, if something happens to Jameis again or Michael Thomas or if Kamara is, you know, gets injured, yeah, big, massive injuries could play a, play a huge role in this. But if this team's healthy, the expectation should be at least 10 wins. That should be the floor. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter as well. 757. Hour number two's come to a close. Hour number three coming up. Jarrett Rozier will join us. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
Everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. It's 8.03 on this Tuesday morning. Final hour has arrived of today's show. We appreciate you being with us on this journey into talking a lot about the Honey Badger. That's what we've done a lot this morning, and rightfully so. Tyron Matthew, the former consensus All-American from LSU, signs a three-year deal worth $33 million, 18 mil of it guaranteed. The 29-year-old four-time All-Pro and Super Bowl champion is headed home back to New Orleans. It's a huge deal. It is a huge deal. And that leads us to our poll question of the day. How much better does this make the Saints? How much does the Honey Badger help the Saints? Salty Steve said, you know what? Hey, everyone's predicting playoffs. Look, I get it. But my disclaimer is, with the pieces they have, in particular, Michael Thomas back, you add Chris Olave. You bring in Doug Marone to fix the offensive line. You, you draft another big offensive lineman. You sign the kid out of Baylor, who you're giving nearly a quarter of a million dollars to in a fully guaranteed contract as an undrafted rookie free agent. That helps with your running back depth, by the way. Saints don't give those type of contracts out to anybody. You add Matthew. You add Marcus May. You add Elante Taylor out of Tennessee in the draft. You're going to be filthy on defense, and this is a team that nearly made the playoffs last year with Ian Book and Trevor Simeon throwing the football. I didn't even talk about Taysom Hill lining up as the Joker rolling as tight end, which has become kind of forgotten. The the floor for this team, if healthy, should be 10 wins because the NFC is down. It's weakened. A lot of talent left the NFC and went over to the AFC this year. Devontae Adams left Green Bay to go to Vegas. Russell Wilson left Seattle to go to Denver. So, it's right there for them. If they can be healthy, there should be no reason why this team shouldn't win at least 10 games. Brad on Twitter says, the question mark suggests that they could be Super Bowl contenders, but we don't know for sure yet, so that's my vote. Definitely playoff bound, though. Texan in Acadiana. As a person who just put in his application to be a Saints fan, I'm jumping on the delusional bandwagon. Saints, Super Bowl champs, lock it in. Sean Paul says his football IQ is top in the league. Yeah, Honey Badger is immensely intelligent. Immensely intelligent. And, and Steve has a point. Banking on Thomas being the same after two years. No, but even if Michael Thomas is 80% what he used to be, he's still a top 10 wide receiver in the in National Football League. And here's the other thing. Just having him back. Let's say he's never that record-setting wide receiver that he was a few years ago, right after he got done getting the big mega contract. Let's say that's the case. Okay, great. Let's say he's just a top-10 wide receiver. Well, that still means that 
he's going to be over there on one side. Chris Olave is going to be on the other side. You're going to have Taysom Hill out there. Even if Michael Thomas is 85% of what he used to be, that's still going to be a huge boost based on what the wide receiving core was last year, which it was pas bon. It was awful. You had a bunch of guys out there running routes, not catching balls. We do know what can't guard Mike does better than anything. Catch the ball. So even 85% Michael Thomas is going to get this team into the playoffs. The Kamara suspension, though, people keep bringing that up. I will agree with that. That's a concern. That's a concern because you don't know when that suspension is going to happen. So keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming. Love to see them. Keep voting on Facebook and Twitter on our poll question of the day. But right now it's time for us to talk recruiting. Lots of activity. The deadline to transfer and be able to play immediately the next season has come and gone. That was May 1st. That was Sunday. So what does that mean for LSU? Football team. They still have some spots, right? To break it all down for us, the latest in recruiting, not only for LSU Cajuns, but for the state of Louisiana, is our good friend, our preferred recruiting analyst, a man who's an extraordinary in so many different ways. The one and only Mr. Jarrett Rozier. Jarrett, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Not too bad, man. How y'all doing this week? This man, this man's always chill. Always chill. As long as I, I've known Jarrett for almost 20 years, it's always chill. It's like, Jarrett, your car blew up. Well, man, I guess I'll figure out how to walk to the next place. Jarrett, there's an earthquake happening. All right, man. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out where we get burritos later. So it's always chill with him. How are you so chill all the time, bud? I don't know, man. I I just have a feeling of things are going to work out one way or another. And if if things are getting kind of disastrous, then there's not really a whole lot to do other than kind of weather that storm and figure out how we're going to work it out and keep moving forward. That's the guy you need in your foxhole. The guy that's going to be calm and steady. That's you, bud. That's you. <laughs> All right, let's get right to it. Deadline passes to be able to transfer, enter the transfer portal, and be able to play immediately. That was on Sunday. You had to make, you had to get your paperwork in and everything like that. How does that impact what Brian Kelly is going to do with his football team now that he still has a few spots left remaining? Yeah, I think the key piece is the deadline to have entered the portal has come and gone. And so right. he still has some time to to now figure out the landscape of, of who's in there and, and what moves are to be made. I do think that with these last couple of, of spots that they can use the transfer portal to address that uh, I don't expect them to wait and, and, and drag a whole lot on it. I, th- I think they're already pretty deep into the portal and figuring out uh, who are the realistic options. And, and that we'll see, you know, another, an addition or two here during the next couple of weeks and trying to get those guys into Baton Rouge and and in place for uh, the start of the June, the June uh, program and and all the strength and conditioning and everything that those guys do over the summer. Uh, And so while the deadline has come and gone to enter, doesn't mean that, that they're set and this is their roster. I do think that this was a, a pretty big, moment and that we'll see the rest of their activity here sooner than later with only a few scholarship spots remaining what are the priorities what are brian kelly's top priorities or what they should be with completing the roster for the fall 
Yeah, I, I think offensive line for them has never wavered as a position group where if they can find the right guy to bring in, they're going to bring a guy in. And I think the secondary is another area where they they have had a you know a need really could have used that at either position, uh, corner or safety, and with <clears throat> pardon me uh, a recent addition at at cornerback. I I don't think that that necessarily means they're done in the secondary. Again, if if the right person uh, falls falls into place and, and they feel like they can bring a guy to to Baton Rouge in that position group because they're down to these these last uh, I believe three spots now and those are two that have been big priorities if if you could add a little bit of depth at, at a tight end position uh, you'd certainly take it and so you end up in a a little bit of a, a number crunch if you can only bring in so many but you know if if the right linebackers there if you can add depth on on the other line at, at a defensive line, you have to look at it. But I think O-line and defensive back are kind of the priority areas, and and you just have to weigh that against who are the available options because if you have a, a great option there as, as a linebacker or a tight end, that, that might mix things up a little bit. And so that's what I think they're kind of figuring out right now is, is really locking into who the priority individuals are uh, and how that fits into – uh, the prioritization of some of those those position groups. All right, let's stay with football before we switch over to the hardwood. Uh, you yourself and the rest of the Tiger Detail staff, you guys have put together some LSU future cast on both Trey Holly and and Preen. Uh, what can you tell us? Yeah, so obviously two guys we've talked about before. Trey Holly is a running back out of Union Parish up in the north half of the state. Half is putting it lightly, he's, he's way up there in North Louisiana uh, at, in Farmerville and, you know, kind of started to open some eyes with a record setting sophomore campaign and just kind of kept chugging along and, and establishing himself as a really notable prospect in that 2023 class. Um, I didn't know how to read him. He's, you know, he can be a little bit, we've talked about some prospects in the past who, a little bit tougher to to get a read on than than some others, and that's kind of how I felt about Trey. Some uh, in terms of where he could end up wanting to take his talent, so to speak, the college level. But I think LSU has really come on strong and, and made a great push with him. Brian Kelly talking to him about he can't let him leave the leave the state. He's a Louisiana guy that they really need to have in purple and gold at the next level. Uh, he he had a chance. Trey had a chance to to chat quite a bit with Frank Wilson, as well as Nick Brosette, uh during his visit for the spring game. And Nick announced as a member of that recruiting staff just a couple of days later. And I think that opportunity meant a lot to Trey to, to hear from a guy who's, whose high school rushing record he's chasing and a guy who went over to LSU and was a thousand yard rusher and, you know, really highly res- respected around the state at this point. And things just seem to be trending in a really positive way for LSU with Trey Holly. On the flip side, Kai Preen is a guy that has similarly several major scholarship offers all over the country, but was someone that from kind of early on, <clears throat> I had a little bit of a similar feeling to some other prospects in the past where even before the LSU offer came, you could tell the, the type of stature that the Tigers had for him. And, and I felt like if the LSU offer came and, for a lot of his recruitment, it felt like a matter of when the LSU offer came, 
they were going to be a really difficult team to beat for him. And so that, that LSU offer finally came, we talked about, I guess a, a month or so ago. And I think, I think actually I, I put my future cast in on him immediately, but everyone else has kind of followed suit on that as I think you see him become that much more of a priority with this new staff. I uh, really appreciate the opportunities he's had to, to chat with Cortez Hankton and Carter Sheridan and those guys over there and, and talk with him about what they see him being able to do as a wide receiver uh, in purple and gold for years to come. And so those are two of the top in-state guys, I think right now to, to really keep an eye on moving forward as uh, additions to that 2023 recruiting class, uh, you know, potentially sooner than later. And you mentioned Holly and where he's from. It, you know, uh, both you and I lived in in lovely Funroe. It was a glorious time. <laughs> but it is different up there. You know, we talk about, you know, down here how LSU cast a huge shadow on the state. But the I-20 corridor does feel a little bit different when it comes to recruiting. I know LSU's done a nice job in, in particular with Neville guys and everything like that. But Bama and the Mississippi schools recruit the hell out of that part of the state. So does Arkansas. Texas schools, TCU comes over. It, 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 is that the, the most vulnerable part of the state, anything along the I-20 corridor when it comes to LSU, where it feels like they may have to fight harder to get those guys to come down to BR? I, th- I think, you know, in general, just kind of trying to, to generalize these areas, it's, it's a little bit more difficult up there. You know, I, I have friends that are from all over the, the I-10 corridor that, are some of the most aggravating Bama fans for some reason for, I I say for some reason, for no reason really, other than um, I think just liking to, to be different and and troll everyone around them. And so we hear from them, you know, even friends that I have that live in, in Lafayette and rain, but I think there's, there's, there's less firm of a hold at times in the North half of the state for LSU that much farther away from campus uh, and a lot of those other SEC schools, the Mississippi and, and Alabama schools, really sell those guys on on how quick of a trip it is uh, down I twenty, right. and that it's it's not it's not that much closer to to go to LSU, and in some in some cases it, it may even be a little bit closer to go to one of those other SEC West schools than it is to to get down to LSU. And for Trey, he's again he's up there a, a little hike north even of. Rustin and he's got some family connections in Arkansas. He's, he's played some seven on seven and things like that with, uh, with some Arkansas teams. And so he's, he's got some connections out of state, even individually on top of the fact that uh, maybe as, as you put it, that shadow that LSU cast is, is not quite as strong uh, as you get that much farther out from campus. Um, and so I think that's an area of the state that, that you saw people criticize less miles, with some some of his misses toward the end of of his tenure you saw that be an area that Ed Orgeron and company really talked about the importance of getting a better handle on and I think there's an understanding from from Brian Kelly and company and and they've got a guy that you know was up there and and Joe Sloan who was on the Louisiana Tech staff who has a really good handle on that area of the state and and just sort of the dynamics there uh, Sherman Wilson was at Louisiana Tech, a member of the recruiting staff. And so I think even with some of these these new coaches who have little to no handle on Louisiana starting out, you have some guys that understand some of those dynamics uh, as well as you possibly could. And and they're really trying to, to make sure to do better in that area. Um, and, and, you know, I think 
in some cases, the misses have been overstated at times, just kind of misunderstanding some individual situations, but uh, it, it has seemed like a, a tougher hike at times, certainly in the 318 than in other areas of the state. And it's a wildly different part of the state. I mean, it, it, it's it's nothing like Baton Rouge or New Orleans, right? So that's part of it, yeah. too. The culture is a little bit different. So you can't do the same sales pitch you do to a kid in New Orleans on the West Bank or in Baton Rouge or even in Lafayette up there in Monroe or Ruston area. You just can't. Or, or Union Parish, Farmerville, wherever it may be. You, you can't. You just can't do that anymore. We're talking with Jarrett it's, Rozier. He is recruiting analyst extraordinaire for tiger details and other places all right but i want to while we have a few minutes i want to get your thoughts on basketball lsu men's basketball team looks like they're facing they're going to face suspensions they're going to face scholarship reductions a postseason uh ban yet they sure are ramping up getting the recruits to come in there in spite of all that what can you tell us huge couple of days for mcmahon and company over there with the men's basketball program we talked about some of the the transfers and and finding fits in there that that were going to allow this this new coaching staff to maybe be a little bit more competitive right off the bat than a lot of people were anticipating but this past thursday and saturday they had a couple of monster i, I mean truly top 100 in rivals i think the the actual rankings for jalen reed the 610 forward uh who's out at a, a prep school in california but he's a, a jackson mississippi guy and is just finishing up his high school career there. I think he was 57th in the last rivals ranking uh, nationally in this 2022 class. And then Tyrell Ward on Saturday, a 6'7 forward from DeMatha up in Maryland is the number 23 ranked prospect. And so a four-star and a five-star prep prospect with plenty of options around the country. Reed was a one-time Florida commitment. Ward was a one-time Xavier commitment. And to get that caliber of talent from the high school ranks with with so many power five offers for them uh, all over the place coast to coast i think was a really big message couple of days for for matt mcmahon and company that that this program is going to be far more talented right off the bat than people were anticipating we ran out of time brother but next week we'll definitely have to talk about russell babineau that young man from acadiana who has the freshman uh the freshman who has the offer from lsu i know you're doing some work with him interviews and everything for louisiana versus all y'all we'll get to that next week my friend tell the people where they can go to check out all your great content my friend yep all the same places lsu heavy stuff will be over at tiger details i also have a lot of stuff coming uh for prep reds in louisiana and louisiana versus all y'all for more uh detailed video interviews uh, i'll have the one up with with russell here in the next couple of hours and have some content on him kind of all over those platforms uh depending on you know, which parts of those conversations are, are priorities there. Appreciate your time, brother. Talk to you next week, bud. Yeah, no, always a pleasure. You'll have a great Tuesday. It's Jarrett Rozier, recruiting analyst extraordinaire. Mr. Calm, cool, and collected. Man delivers the goods. Doesn't matter what the pressure situation is. Physical injury, not an issue. Car not working, not an issue. Natural disaster happening, not an issue. The man always delivers. Consistency. That's what Jarrett brings to the table. We gotta take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. We'll update, update the poll question of the day. Talk a little NBA playoffs next, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Great news, my sports loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right.
that's because you've already found the perfect match. For Sports Talk Love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. Listen up. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, it's free and it's easy to do so, by the way. You're going to have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. That's right, $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. We want to help you take your lady out for some delicious seafood but you can only win that $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House by joining the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today. It's easy and it's free. Let's talk a little NBA playoffs, shall we? While we have a few moments here on RP3 and Company, 827 on this Tuesday morning. Philadelphia 76ers are going to have a big issue. Joel Embiid not playing because of the orbital bone fracture. Ow. But James Harden, you're depending on him in the postseason to step up to carry a team. That's not optimal. But when you're taking on the top seed in the East, as the 76ers were doing last night in the Eastern Conference semifinals, and you let Tyler Hero drop 25 points on you it's going to be a short series it's going to be a real short series heat win 106 to 92 no Embiid, who is their best player 76ers already we're going to be behind the eight ball so to speak against the well-coached well-disciplined miami heat team we don't talk about eric spolstra enough as a great coach he is and look, when you get a guy like Tyler Hero to step up, score 25 points, you're, it's going to be a very short series for Philly. They're going to have to figure something out. Somebody's going to have to step up. Tobias Harris had 26 points last night. That's great. But James Harden's going to have to take over games for Philly to have a chance, to even have a chance to make this a competitive series or to even try to win this series. And I don't know if Harden's up to the challenge. Meanwhile, game one of the Western Conference semifinals between the Dallas Mavericks and the Phoenix Suns, both teams were pushed in their opening round series. Phoenix, obviously, by the New Orleans Pelicans. Suns take game one, 121-114. to Luka goes off for Dallas, 45 points. But who else is helping him? Dallas right now feels a lot like it did LeBron early in his career and Michael Jordan early in his career before they added Scottie Pippen and others. It's a one-man show. Dallas goes, Luka, top five player in the league right now, despite being as young as he is, drops 45 points. They still lose by seven. They still lose by seven. 
because Phoenix has depth, and Phoenix has multiple guys that can step up and help their team win. Last night, Devin Booker, DeAndre Aiden were the guys that stepped up. Aiden led the team with 25 points. Devin Booker chipped in 23. Chris Paul had 19. Crowder and Bridges had 11 and 13. Their starters, all five starters, scored in double figures, and they had a guy coming off the bench in Johnson that gave them 17. The worst thing that could happen for Dallas is that Phoenix was tested and pushed by the Pelicans because that resets a title contender like that. Once they get threatened in the first round that way, that refocuses them, that amps them up. That's the worst thing that could happen to the Mavs. I do not expect this series. I actually don't expect either one of these series. Suns, Mavs, or for that matter, Heat 76ers to go six games. I expect them to be five-game series. Now, the other ones, well, that's a little bit different. The rest of them, those could be far more competitive. Because I think the Heat are easily going to get past Philly, especially with Embiid out. And I think Phoenix gets past Dallas because there's no one else to help Luka on the Mavs. The other two series, those are going to be the dogfights. Bucks-Celtics. Giannis was unstoppable against Boston the other night in game one. The Celtics had no answer. He threw Jason Tatum around like a ragdoll. Tatum had no answer. Tatum is a very good NBA player. Giannis is an MVP, top five player in this league. If Boston doesn't figure out how to slow down Giannis, they're going to have problems. I expect Boston to respond, though. I expect that to be a competitive series. But the Warriors-Grizzlies series, that is going to be a lot of jawing. You've already seen Draymond Green and John Morant go back and forth in this in this series in Game 1. That is going to be a hell of a series. That may be the best series of the four, of the semifinal series that we have for the NBA playoffs. Once again, Bucks celtics tonight. Warriors-Grizzlies tonight as well, Game 2 in both of those series. We'll talk more about the NBA playoffs as well as where do the New Orleans Pelicans go from here after a foundation season with our buddy Ali Cassell, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. He'll join us next live right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Don't go through another summer with that awful joint pain. Call QC Kinetics right now. Hey, it's Raymond Parts III here, better known as RP3. That pain in your back, your knees, your shoulder, it can now be treated with the latest in precision medicine using natural biologics, growth factors that can restore and repair damaged tissue. Really exciting stuff here. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in regenerative medicine, giving you access right here to this modern-day joint pain solution. 
You can get lasting joint pain relief with no drugs, no steroids, no downtime, and guess what? No surgery. You've heard Emmett Smith raving about QC Kinetics. You've read or seen other high-profile people talking about it. Regenerative medicine at QC Kinetics can help you get your life back. Take action right now. Get a free consultation. Powerful, effective joint pain treatments with natural biologics are here. Call QC Kinetics right now. 337-243-4222. That's 337-243-4222. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. It's about the honey badger going back home. Signing the three-year deal worth $33 million, 18 mil of it guaranteed to play for the New Orleans Saints. How much of a factor will he make on this team? 63% of you say they will be playoff bound. 23% say Super Bowl contenders, maybe. Question mark. 14% say some, but not enough. But can New Orleans handle Honey Badger playing for the Saints and the Pelicans? Jose and all those guys? Can the city handle that much swag? That much intensity? That much enthusiasm? I don't know. I don't know. Talk more about the New Orleans Pelicans as they enter an offseason with real optimism and also get his thoughts on the NBA playoffs is our good friend from the Bird Rights, the Mr. Ali Cassell. Ali, good morning to you, brother. How are you doing, my friend? Good morning, Raymond. Last time we talked, what, the Pelicans were tied 2-2 in the series, and well, we're well past that now. But you're right, there's a lot of optimism surrounding the team. Let's start with the emotion that Willie Green had afterwards. And for me, watching that on the court, seeing it on television, I know, I feel like I know now why this team plays so hard for him and why they love playing for him and why he's been able to reach the young guys like Herb Jones, like Jackson Hayes, like B.I. Did you feel the same way? Yeah. When the coach cares that much, the players, yeah, it's so much easier for them to as well, right? And Willie, you know, he had kept his emotions bottled it up um, and to himself for the most part the entire season. Remember how he was always never too high, never too low? Yeah. And after that poor start, you didn't – there was no frustration on his part. For instance, Ime Yudoka of the Boston Celtics, when I got off to a rough start, remember he was throwing some guys under the bus and, and really calling out the team in the interviews, uh, post-game interviews. That was never Willie. And, yeah, he's a guy that truly deeply cares and goes about it the right way. Um, and so having his raw emotions spill out like that, yeah, that, that told us everything we needed to know about him. And I'll tell you what, I think the players, without a doubt, appreciate it. Um, how many times did they, you know, talk about him and post-game and give him a lot of credit for the success they had this season? It's not, it's, it's, it, there's, no, there's no wonders here, right? There's no mystery here regarding this team. They love their coach. They love playing for him. And he looks to be, as we said for months now, the perfect fit. He seems to be the perfect fit because he's that great combination of a former player but not a big, huge star player. Uh, he understands what it takes to make it into the NBA and stay in the NBA. He also understands how players should be treated or how they like to be treated. I think that plays a huge role. Plus, he's just whip smart, right? But you see the impact he makes. We've seen this now. This uh, A lot of these players have been there for the last three years. Alvin Gentry, an older coach, really couldn't reach him. Stan Van Gundy, that was a train wreck. What is it about Willie 
that has allowed those guys to connect with him and actually develop. We've seen real development, Ollie, from the players, as in their skill sets and their maturity and their leadership. Yeah, I would argue that every single player under him uh, improved, at least to some degree. And with Willie, what it comes down to to me is that he's just completely relatable. Mm. And we said that was going to be the number one thing after Stan Van Gundy that the next incoming coach needed to be. And what that means is, you know, he's closer to their age. That certainly helps. So he understands kind of what they're going through the, the, you know, the environment they're in, right? This social media world and the way NBA players really control the uh, league and, and, and among those other things. But more importantly, he, he's just on a human level reached out to every single player and established these great relationships, right? With Brandon Ingram, they text all the time. Um, when there was times that were hard and he had to go through them, for instance, demoting Devontae Graham, he went over to his house um, or he invited him over. Either one, they, they met person to person and talked things through. I mean, he's doing things j- just the right way, but it, it's amazing how it's not commonplace in the NBA. So, yeah, relatability, without a doubt, the number one factor. And he's probably got great relationships with every single guy on the roster. That's rare for an NBA coach. And they did all this without Zion. And the weirdness around him is seemingly going away. I don't know what happened, Ollie, and I don't know if you even know what happened, but all of a sudden a switch turned on, and there's Zion cheering on his teammates, laughing and hugging and high-fiving and having a good time and seemingly part of the team again after not being part of the team for so long. I feel, I don't want to speculate, it sure does feel like Willie Green had a big part, had a large part to do with that. Yeah, what we learned is that they stayed in, constant uh, communication but more so it's when he got back from Portland that I think all the probably you know the uneasy feelings towards from Zion's side of the family and himself towards the organization uh, started to cease to kind of exist and big part of that also is the players I mean uh, without a doubt I think CJ McCollum took it upon himself to get to know Zion to get you know he started sitting next to him in games and just Got to know him as a person, talking through him, uh, to him through things about, I think, the league, just in general professionalism, mannerisms. And you pick up those hints from CJ. And honestly, it's, it's a message he has for the entire locker room. Like, for instance, a big deal for him is you throw away your towels, right? You put them in the basket. You don't just throw them on the ground that, so that one of the equipment guys needs to come and grab it. He said there's a certain way to do everything. And I think he took that same approach with Zion Williamson. But you're right. Willie, others, they had a big part probably in making design feel comfortable, right? I think that was the biggest thing. I think that's why that whole C.J. McCollum at the trade deadline, Zion not reaching out to him happened. Because let's face it, Zion has that level of maturity still that isn't, you know, prone to, you know, being a leader on a basketball team, right? He's still very much immature in my eyes. And the way he handled that matter screams that. But he's come a long way since then. You know, he's got a lot of growing up to do. And I think he's making the right steps. But more importantly, yeah, there doesn't appear to be any kind of that friction anymore. And that's going to be the biggest key, right? But from their message consistently since he's been back from Portland has been a positive, positive one. His dad a month ago speaking out saying Zion doesn't want to be anywhere else. And Zion himself saying it this past Friday. So things appear to be, you know, good enough. And uh, until he gets that extension and he signs it, we won't know for sure. 
we expect him to sign the extension. Yeah. They don't have a choice. They have to uh, because of just the potential he showed in, in the one season that he's essentially has played. But as good as this team is, and you bring Zion back, you bring Zion back, you give him the Supermax, he's healthy. That makes Jackson Hayes the odd man out. And I know Jackson's not the player Zion is. I understand that. But Willie has done wonders for Jackson Hayes, even though he's still wildly inconsistent. He just is. What do the Pelicans do with the big fella? Because he can't play the five. He's he's a number four. He's a, he's a four. He can't play the five. So what do the Pels do with him? Yeah, I'm not comfortable with them handing him a big extension or just going into next season with him on the roster because you've got to think his minutes are going to get cut. If Zion's healthy, where's he going to play and how many minutes? It's not going to be enough in his mind for sure, especially for a guy that's either on a rich extension or he's going to be playing for one because the Pelicans don't necessarily have to sign him this summer, especially if the two sides are far apart when they're talking money. And one thing we know about Jackson, he's a guy that, also need, needs coddling, right? He probably wouldn't handle that situation well, right, based on just his past experiences and how he's reacted. For instance, when he's been knocked out of the rotation, I know he hasn't enjoyed that very well and, and not gone about it as, you know, as well as he should have. So there's that concern as well. So I'll be honest with you. I think they need to find him a new home. I think that would be the best for all parties involved. So you're thinking, you're thinking the priority for Griff and company is – moving Hayes in the offseason, trading him, maybe packaging one of the 1,800 second-round picks they have and possibly getting, what, a, a, a low first-rounder? Well, you can go a million directions, right? But let's face it, Devontae Graham doesn't really fit. Garrett Temple's time as a vet that's a necessary playing vet appears to be over. So there's other roster spots that are being taken up that you feel could be better utilized. So it's not just Jackson in my eyes, but you're right. I, I would look to move Jackson if you if, – at the minimum, you get a future draft pick, but I think they need to be getting more uh, win-now pieces. Okay. For instance, Raymond, they need more shooting. They need a big that's legitimately – can play a five and can defend the rim, right? Defend that lane. So I think there's a couple, you know, um, on, on the needs list that they got to address this summer. Is one of those needs an uh, old-fashioned traditional point guard? And I ask this because – they were able to turn their season around without having one because CJ is not a traditional point guard. He's really a number two. But yet they found a way, Willie Green did, to make this team wildly successful and get them into the playoffs. When I look at this team, I go, well, they need a, a traditional point guard. But am I looking at it wrong? No, you're not. I've had a lot of people ask me this question the last few days. But I'll be honest with you, I sit on the side of the fence that they don't need one. Um, especially in the starting lineup. That starting lineup is set. And I'll wager that CJ, BI, Zion, they're going to be doing all the handling, right? And they're more than capable. Decision makers, they can handle the ball. They can make those passes to where I don't think you need that point guard. I mean, look how many teams operate without one. Yeah. It's, it's, trending. it's trending that way, right? You don't need the traditional point guard. It doesn't feel that way anymore. No, you definitely don't. And I think that if the Pelicans were to add one, all it would do is, okay, you have a floor general out there, but what is he going to be taking away from the team, right? So plugging one in doesn't make any sense. About the only way it does appear to have any kind of logical uh, thought process to me is if you have one off coming off the bench. But then again, you've got Jose Alvarado. We don't know what's in store for Kyra Lewis. So 
I'll be honest, that it sits low on my totem pole of, of um, lists for the Pelicans or, or of needs for the Pelicans to address. I don't think they need one. I really don't. What do they do with the Lakers' top ten pick? Oh, you hope it lands in the top four, right? And if it does, I mean, you've got a couple of great choices there. I prefer Jabari Smith. I think he's a guy that could be at least in the closing lineups next season because he's he's got a great motor. He can stretch the floor. He and he's defensively, he's darn good. I know that there's some questions about his rim defense, so him playing the five would be an issue, perhaps. But remember, he, in Auburn, he played alongside a true center, so he wasn't really allowed to showcase that part of his game. And I think with his IQ and his, his ability, right, his God-given ability, that he could probably learn that position. There's a lot of people that feel that way. So you've got to find somebody, I think, that's going to be your future five, whether you address it through a trade or through the draft. Um, and I think that Jonas Valanciunas, while good, you, you need to pair him up with somebody that's going to be that next guy, right? Start giving him some minutes because I love Billy Hernan Gomez. I love Larry Nance specifically, but I think you still need somebody else that's going to be your future guy at that position. We ran out of time, brother. I was going to ask you about the playoffs. We'll do that next Tuesday if you can make some time for us, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your week, brother. We'll talk to you next week, bud. Absolutely, Raymond. Take care, buddy. we got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up today's show, finalize the poll question of the day, get you set up for Kevin Foote and footnotes. That's all next. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. on this Tuesday morning, which means we only have a few minutes left here on RP3 and Company. Make sure to thank our guest who made today's show quite enjoyable. Jim Gazzolo, our good friend from the Lake Charles American Press, talking all things McNeese Athletics. Jarrett Rozier, recruiting analyst and reporter. And, of course, Ollie Kitzel from the Bird Rights, talking Pelicans offseason. Poll question of the day. We'll get the final results on that. But just a reminder, look, we got live baseball for you on our station and on our sister station tonight. The LSU Tigers welcome in the Nichols Colonels to Alex Box Stadium tonight. And you can listen to all the exciting action live right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. First pitch is set for 630. The Houston Astros, meanwhile, will be looking to make it two straight against the fighting Five names is the Seattle Mariners tonight at Minute Maid Ballpark. First pitch is scheduled for 7:10, and you can listen to that game on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. So LSU baseball here on the game tonight. Astros baseball on News Talk. Poll question of the day: Final results. We asked you how much does the Honey Badger coming home, signing with the New Orleans Saints, help the Saints? 62% of you say it helps them make the playoffs. 22% say Super Bowl contenders, maybe. 16% say some, but not enough. You guys came out in droves with the comments today. Love seeing that. Dougie Fresh says it all hinges on Jay Winston now that they have all other pieces in place. And I expect Winston to play well. I think he was trending that way before the injury. But once again, coming off injuries are always tricky. So it's going to be a tricky situation for Jameis Winston. It's going to be tricky for Michael Thomas, who hasn't essentially played in two years. So it's not going to be easy, but 
I believe in the Saints Brain Trust to be able to make this happen. Thanks to all who voted on the poll question of the day. Thanks to all who commented on the poll question and all those who called us. Hey, I want to give a shout out to my man, Jesse. Went to the hardware store yesterday. Needed some help. My wife likes these very fancy cover plates for all the outlets, light switches, whatnot. And I'm trying to find extenders to extend the, the light switches so they can match. That way they're all flush, if that makes any sense. I'm not an electrician by any stretch of the imagination. Can't find somebody to help me in the store. So I see a gentleman. He looks like a contractor to me. He's buying bulk, bulk loads of stuff. I asked him, I said, hey, bud, you mind helping me? He said, hey, man, I listen to you on the radio. Helped your boy out. So shout out to Jesse, who I ran into yesterday afternoon at the hardware store, helping me with my electrical needs. Appreciate you, bud. Thank you for listening as well. For the producer extraordinaire who went mute today, hopefully that won't be the case tomorrow. Hannah, five names. I'm Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.